Welcome to the KICC Malawi podcast. We pray that you'll be encouraged with the message today. Once again, welcome to church this morning. Bless the name of the Lord, for he has been good to us. Amen. And I believe and trust God that we'll have another great time in his presence this morning. Today we are looking at taking over part three. And I've titled it The The Cost of Disobedience. We looked at part one, which was God's faithfulness. And uh, part two was what? God owns everything. Amen? And today... We are looking at part three, which have subtitled the cost of disobedience. So let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter 21, verse 43 to 44 uh, to 45. I'll read first in the New King James Version of the Bible. And then I will focus on verse 43 in the Amplified Version of the Bible. So in Joshua 43, uh, Joshua 21, if, if you found it, say amen. Let's, let's open it and read it together. Verse 43, 1, 2, 3, go. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. Amen. In the Amplified Version of the Bible in verse 43, it, said, it says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers, in brackets, ancestors, and they took possession of it, and lived in it. Amen. So I'll just do a very quick recap and then so that we can focus on what we want to look at today. I have basically said that uh, the story that we are reading uh, comes from, let's, let's go to Exodus. <laughs> Sorry. Let's go to Exodus, Exodus 23. And, and then I'll come back to this. Exodus 23, if you find it, say amen. Okay, in Exodus 23, uh, they, they have come out of the land of Egypt. They are on their way uh, to the promised land. And uh, in uh, verse 20 of Exodus uh, 23, the Bible says, this is God speaking. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way 
and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hevites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down the sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hevite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I'll drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. And I'll set your bounds from the Red Sea to the Sea Philistia and from the desert to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Amen? So, so when we come to Joshua chapter 21, what I am saying is that all this that God is saying now has finally come to pass. Amen? Now, those of us who came for Faith Clinic on uh, Wednesday, uh, Pastor Sunga kind of went through what we are trying to cover today. And uh, I was telling him after Faith Clinic, I said, it's very interesting that you're sharing exactly from the scripture that I want to refer to next week. And he had uh, said something else very profound. He says, because he was saying, okay, um, hornets are not wasps. You know what wasps are, right? You know wasps, right? Who doesn't know what a wasp is? So a wasp is marvel. A hornet is different. And what I did was I went, I went uh, on the website. I, I, I like to do a lot of research. So I went and I was just checking hornets and uh, trying to look at pictures. And uh, interestingly, I found something which is called murder hornets. Uh, so, Zeke, can you show them the picture? So, so this is a picture that I found of, of what a murder hornet is. Uh, Mr. Zeke, 
Okay. So this is a murder hornet. All right. And you, you cannot see it. It looks like Njuchi, but it's not Njuchi. It looks like a bee, but it's not a bee. Uh, actually, if you, if you go on Google and try to find it, you're going, you're going to look at several of them. You're going to look at them. And, and I, my mind goes thinking like that. And then I start to think, okay, if there are millions and millions and millions of these and they are coming and you hear, and you run into the house and they come into the house, and they begin to sting. And the Bible says they are murder. Uh, the, 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 the website where I found them said they are murder hornets. So, so I begin to think, I think some of the fighting that was going on, God was fighting on his own. And the children of, of Israel were just coming in and to finish off whatever needed to be done. Amen? And, and God gives them a lot of instructions of what uh, they need to do. So, when you come now to Joshua chapter 21, I have said this is basically a fulfillment of the character of God. That God is dependable, God is trustworthy, God is reliable, God does what he says he will do, and when he makes a promise, he keeps his word. Amen? And I have said, as it was to the children of Israel, so it is to us today. When God says a word to you, declares something to you, the character of God is that he is trustworthy. You can trust him. He is reliable. He is dependable. And, and what he has said in your life will surely come to pass. And, and whatever he has promised, someday, one day, he is going to do what he has said. Hallelujah. And what we saw was that God made an unconditional covenant with uh, Abraham and made a promise to him of land. And he said, I'll give you this land and this land is going to be an everlasting possession for you. If we saw that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 7, and uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 to 21, and in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to, to 8. And uh, last week I said there are 170 references in the Bible that talk about the land. And, uh, and all these references are talking about the land that God gave to the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac, the seed of Jacob. And he said it is an everlasting uh, possession. It is their inheritance. 170 scriptural references. 55 times, God confirms this promise with an oath. So, he swears. And he says, I cannot swear by anyone else. I can only swear by myself. This is your land. I've given it to you. 12 times, he states that the covenant is an everlasting covenant. So, what I said is that when God made this promise to the children of Israel, to Abraham, to Isaac, and, and to Jacob, he did not leave his promise open-ended and unfulfilled. And I've said to us that anything that God has promised us, it will never be left open-ended. It will be fulfilled someday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and, and it's interesting that with the children of Israel, nothing forced God 
to give them the land. Nothing forced God to make the oath. And also, there was absolutely nothing about Israel that required God to give them the land. There was absolutely nothing. It was God's and for it was God's to give to whomever he saw fit to give it. And we looked at the book of Leviticus, the first Sunday, of some of the reasons why God was fed up and said, okay, now I'm giving over this land to a man called Abraham. And last week we saw that God has complete ownership of everything, including you and me. And, and we actually saw last week that the truth of the matter is that you and I own what? Nothing. And I said the moment you begin to understand that you own nothing, that's when you begin to live. Hallelujah. So, I said last week that while God is absolutely sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he gives us work as these people to do. And that's what we don't like. So, we want to say, we, we love it. We tell him, oh God, you are omniscient. God, you are omniscient. God, you are all-powerful. God, you are all-knowing. God, you are ever-present. God, as if we want to trick him to do some things on our behalf, when actually there are things that he has said, okay, I'll do this, and you do the rest. He even says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. That's what he says. Hallelujah. So, God is not, the God we serve is not a promoter of laziness. He doesn't promote any laziness. There's work that we need to do in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And the work for Israel was that Israel had to conquer. Israel had to possess. Israel had to, to, to settle in what God had already given them. He had already given them the land. And all they needed to do was conquer, possess, live in the land. And when we come to Joshua 21, we are told that the Lord gave them the land which he had sworn to their fathers and they took possession of the land and lived in it. And I want us to dwell a bit on that. So let's go to Numbers 33. Numbers 33. This is before we come to the book of Joshua. Numbers 33. I'm not going to read, a, uh, uh, we'll look at a, quite a few scriptures, uh, but I'll not read all of them. The rest, I hope you can go home and read. In number 33, let's go to verse 50. These are instructions for the conquest of Canaan. So, in verse 50, the Bible says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. So now, they are getting closer and closer to their inheritance. Amen? And he's saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, destroy all their engraved stones, Destroy all their molded images and demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land 
and dwell in it. For I have given you the land to possess. And you shall divide the land by lot as an inheritance among your families. To the larger you shall give a larger inheritance. And to the smaller you shall give a smaller inheritance. There everyone's inheritance shall be whatever falls to them by lot. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. Hallelujah. Now, what you notice is that God has given them a mandate. Hallelujah. Even as believers, God gives us a mandate. So he gives them a mandate. And the mandate to the children of Israel is drive out all the inhabitants in the promised land. Hallelujah. And when now you come to number 34, which we are not going to read, but when you read, you read it, let me read it quickly. I, I know what I, would, uh, I, 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 I know where to cut. Let's go to number 34. I, are, you, are your Bibles open? Are they open? Okay, let's go to number 34. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Zeke, I want you to put that uh, first slide. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance. The land of Canaan to its boundaries. Your southern border shall be the wilderness of Zin along the border of Edom. Then your southern border shall extend eastward to the end of the salt sea. Now Edom are descendants of who? Esau. Alright? Your border, uh, when you, you, you look at the salt sea, that's a red sea. Uh, that, that's a dead sea. Your border shall turn to the southern side of the ascent of Akrabim, continue to Zin, and be on the south of Kadesh Paner. Then it shall go on to Hazada and continue to Asmon. The border shall turn from Asmon to the brook of Egypt, and it shall end at the sea. As for the western border, you shall have the great sea for a border. This shall be your western border. And this shall be your northern border. From the great sea, you shall mark out your borderline to Mount Hall. From Mount Hall, you shall mark out your border to the entrance of Hamath. Then the direction of the border shall be toward Zedad. The border shall proceed to Ziphron, and it shall end at Hazar Enan. This shall be your northern border. You shall mark out your eastern border from Hazar Enan to Shepham. 
The border shall go down from Shepham to Ribla on the east side of Ain. The border shall go down and reach to the eastern side of the Sea Shinareth. The Sea Shinareth is the Sea of Galilee. So you, 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 you find different times that it's referred to so in the Bible. The border shall go down along the Jordan and it shall end at the Salt Sea. This shall be your land with its surrounding boundaries. Then Moses commanded the children of Israel saying, this is the land which you, you shall inherit by lot, which the Lord has commanded to give to the nine tribes and to the half tribe. For the tribe of the children of Reuben, according to the house of their fathers, and the tribe of the children of God, according to the, to the, uh, according to the house of their fathers, have received their inheritance, and the half tribe of Manasseh have, has received its inheritance. The two tribes... And the half-tribe have received their inheritance on this side of the Jordan, across from Jericho eastward toward the sunrise. So that was the land. Oh, he has already gone there. That was the land that they, they needed to conquer. And the land that God, God had already given them. Now, what I'll do quickly is that this is the wilderness of Zin. So, when you look at all this, going down, you, you look at Edom right over there, all right? Now, if you look at all this land and you carry on, this is the Dead Sea. And all this land, all this land from here, from here, you come all this, Edom is, you leave Edom over there and then you come here and this is the Dead Sea. And then you begin to go up. You go all the way, all the way up and come down here. This is where the nine and a half tribes needed to settle. The other tribes had settled here. All the way down here. And you can see they live Moab down here. And they live Edom here. So all this other portion of the land, they have taken it. Because they had come from this way. Egypt is on this end. Somewhere around here. So they have come all this way, and now they, they have come into the land. So the other tribes settled here, and then the rest of them needed to settle here. This is the land they needed to conquer. Are we together? Now, something happened, which we are going to see shortly. They, they didn't conquer all this, because today, of all this land which God gave, are we together? All this land which God gave, this is the only land which they occupy. And even this land is under contention because all this part that you see in red over here, this is Judea and Samaria. So when, when you are hearing about King Saul had his headquarters in Samaria and everything, this is where Judea and Samaria is which today is being called the West Bank and is under contention and is saying, this land is not your land. Now, the question is, this is the Dead Sea. Are we together? This is the Dead Sea, which is right over there. And if you look at this land, all this land is on this side. Are we together? Which is the land for Israel? Now, if all this land is the land for Israel, 
How come somebody today says, this is my land? That's the first part. Oh, this is where Gaza is. If you check over here, Gaza is dust right down there. All this is land. And this is again under contention. So Hamas sits here and all the others are over here. And you come up here, this is where Nablus is. Where Shechem is over here. So when you begin to hear about God is speaking to, to, to Abraham and he says, see all the land. This is the land that God is telling, see as far as you can see. And the man can see it. He says, I've given it over to you. And this is where Joshua takes them to even cut the covenant when you come to Joshua chapter 24. So he's taking them back. Uh, the bones of Joseph are over in this portion of land. But this is where Shechem is now what is called Nablus. And all this land is again under contention. So all this land and this land and this land is not in the hands of Israel. Are we together? So you can actually say of this portion of land, the land which is currently occupied by Israel is over here. Now Shiloh is over here. Shiloh where Hannah took Samuel is, is in this portion of land. I've been there. Is in this portion of land. So I literally had to go into the land which is not the land of Israel to go out here to come to Shiloh. Now the question is if, if God gave them all this land and they only occupy this land then what happened? And that's what I want us to see today. Because God can make a promise to you Unless you obey the Lord's commands, follow what God has said, and do what he has said you have to do, not just knowledge, but do it, then the Lord will fulfill that word in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you come to Ezekiel chapter 47, you begin now to see the boundaries of the millennial kingdom. But I'm not going to go there. Millennial Israel. Now, God said these things in, in Exodus, uh, in, in, in Numbers 30. When you pass over the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land. Somebody say drive out. Okay, drive out all the inhabitants of the land. Destroy all their engraved stones. Now, when you're going to Blanta, today I'm doing history, I think. When you're going to Blanta, and before you reach Lintipe 3, there is a signpost about rock art, right? On the left-hand side. There's about, I think, Chongon rock art, or something like that, like rock art, but they, I've forgotten the name, but it's written rock art. And if you go to the art, you're actually going to see people who had engraved on those stones. Hallelujah. So God says, in the land you're going, you're going to find that there are engraved stones. These are memories of the people who were living in the land. So all the memories of the people who were living in the land, what do you have to do? Destroy. That means, there's no reason for you today to be keeping a picture of a girlfriend of all days ago because you are lying to yourself and lying to your wife or your husband and saying, Are we together? So 
So God says, destroy any memory that they left in the land. Destroy it, number one. Number two, destroy all their modern images, meaning destroy all their gods. Destroy all their gods. Anything that looks like a god, destroy it. That means in the process of destroying it, you're also destroying the altars. There was a time I did a teaching around these altars. I'm not going to go there now. Demolish all their high places. Their altars and places of worship. Where they worship their false gods, destroy it. And then he says, dispossess the inhabitants of the land. Now, look at it. Demolish high places, destroy modern images, destroy and grab the stones, and then he says, after that, dispossess the inhabitants of the land. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and everything thereof and those who dwell in the land. Then he gives him a warning. If you will not drive the inhabitants of the land from before you, those that remain shall be irritants in your eyes. They are going to make you cry. Anything you leave remaining, you, it will one day, one day, one day make you cry. Hallelujah. Thorns in your, and they will become thorns in your side and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. The land is yours and you are being harassed in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I'll do to you as I thought to do to them. So after they possessed the land, there remained one thing that needed to be done. It was consolidation of their inheritance. Even when we come to Christ, there is a need for us to consolidate what God is doing in our lives. Hallelujah. So before the consolidation is done, Joshua bids them farewell. Hallelujah. Before the consolidation is done, they have moved into the land according to Joshua chapter 21. So let's go now to Joshua 23. Joshua 23. All right. So in Joshua 23 verse 14, Joshua in the Bible says, Joshua 23, verse 14, it says, Joshua's farewell address. Are we together? What is farewell? What is farewell? Huh? Bye-bye. Okay? So, Joshua now is saying, bye-bye. You can read the whole of that, but I, let me go to verse 14. It says, Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. Meaning, I am about to die. Are we together? As you know, in all your hearts and in all your souls, that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord, your God, spoke concerning you, all have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Where did we find that scripture? In Joshua 21, from verse 43 to 45. Are we together? So Joshua is telling them, he says, Therefore it shall come to pass 
that as all these good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things and he has destroyed you from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. So he's telling them, I'm about to die. So now, in chapter 24, which I am not going to go to, he leads them into a covenant. And where does he go to take them to go do a covenant with God? In Shechem, where God had appeared to Abraham. When God brought Abraham, he said, this is the land. Hallelujah. So he takes them back there, and he takes them on two mountains, mountain of Perazim and the mountain of? Israel sits on two mountains. There's one group on one mountain and the other mountain. What are, what are they called? I've told you one. It's Mount Perazim. What is the other one? Muzwerenga Bible. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to tell you the name. One of them is a mountain of curses. The other one is a mountain of blessing. So one group sits on one mountain. Mountain of blessing. The other group stands on the other mountain. Not sits. Stands on the other mountain, the mount of curses. So one group begins to declare. And Joshua takes them there. And, and he takes them there. And he begins to say, if we do A, 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 B. Guys, this is going to be the blessing. If we do that, this is going to be the curses. And those two mountains are very, 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 very strategic. Very, very critical. Because, interestingly, these mountains now sits in a land that is not occupied by Israel. Hallelujah. So, so, so he takes them there, and I'm not going to go through all that, but let's go to verse 13. Verse 13. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you do not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of their vineyards and olive groups which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, and in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you, shall, you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve the foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And all the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. 
So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. Verse 26, then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness to us for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart and each to his own inheritance. Now it came to pass, verse 29, that after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of the inheritance of Timnath Sarah, which is in the mountain of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gash. And actually his grave today sits in the land where the Palestinians live. Palestinians live. You if you have to go and visit the tomb of Joshua, you have to go with heavy security. If you have to go and visit the tomb of Joseph, you have to go with Joseph, you have to go with heavy security. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who had lived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had brought from the sons of Hamel, the father of Shechem for 100 pieces of silver, which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. This is where Jesus met that woman. You remember Jesus meeting the woman at the well? It's in Shechem. It's in Nablus. He says, you, you, you Jews, you say. And Jesus speaks to her. So I'm not going to go to Mark chapter 4. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died. They buried him in a hill belonging to Phineas, his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. Now, that's very interesting because, you know what? Eliezer is gone. Joshua is gone. And, and it's interesting, it says, the Bible says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. That should become very revealing because this is, this is more or less like an end of a generation. Hallelujah. God did not want Mary to free from, from Egypt, from slavery in Egypt, but to deliver them into the promised land. When you read Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 and Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 23. Now, here we go. Whatever we read about the oppression of Israel from the book of Judges to the time that Jesus comes in the book of Matthew chapter 1, all that we read, which, which we refer to and we come up with great sermons, is true. But I'll tell you, it reveals only one thing, the mercy, the mercifulness of God. 
Because all that we are reading there, all the amazing things that Elijah does, all the amazing things that Elijah does, everything else that you read about David and everything else, you know what? That happened after what I'm going to show you now. Let's go to Judges chapter 1. Let's go to Judges chapter 1. I'm not going to read the whole of Judges chapter 1. I'll read verse 1 to verse 4. Okay, I'll read to verse 5. Then I will jump. Okay? Verse 1. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? There's something very interesting there. What is interesting is this. Moses handed over leadership to Joshua. But Joshua handed over leadership to nobody. So whenever we say, we need to train you, we need to train you, we need to train you, because there will be a day when some of us are not going to be here. Not that we will die. We'll dying, dying, we'll die. There was a time when the, 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 the leapers said, if we stay here, we die. If we go there, we die. So either we stay here or going there, dying, we are going to die. To die. So let's, let me say this. There will be a day when Pastor McDuff is not going to be here. I may die. Possibility, number one. Possibility number two is by now you have seen I'm not always in church. Actually, right now I'm not supposed to be here. I had to drive all the way from Blantyre last evening to come to be here in church this morning because I really felt I needed to give you this word. And then at one o'clock I'm going back to Blantyre. Now, I cannot afford... That every time I'm not in Lilongwe, I should drive from wherever I am, come here preach in church, then leave, and then come back and preach again in church. Then I'm doing what Joshua did. We need people here to rise up. So that even on the day when Emma's is not around, Yami is not around, Pastor Sunga is not around, and Naomi is not around, Chisoma is not around, any of the leaders are not around, and the one available in church on that day is Leving Homer. Leving Homer should be able to lead the service. And you people should say, even Levy is much better than Pastor Macduff. And then I come back and you say, You understand what I'm saying? Masuwa anowa kuli Joanna. Masuwa anowa kuli Towera. Masuwa anowa kuli 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 uyama imba kibodi imba tindani kuli could he promise you? You understand? Masuwa no abusa. Kuli kulindani uiwagira imatitanzinaki. Uiwagira imatitanzinaki. Ari kulirafu. You know, abusa musadanda ule. Shido ya mungu ikuyenda. Kuli antitandi. And antitandi watapese kuhudi kulibego. You say, abusa kunabu ya kantika na kochedo atapiwa. Abusa zitu zikuchitika. Hallelujah. What happened here should not happen to us. So when we say we want to train you, what you need to do is to what? Come. Amen. Because your life matters to God. 
He should be able to say, no, Auntie Brenda led us in the service today. Asmenya led us in the service today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, they, they inquired of God. Joshua is gone. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. So, who was the first to be chosen to conquer? Judah. Hallelujah. So, Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me to my allotted territory that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And they found Adon Bezek in Bezek. And fought against him and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Let's go to verse 18. And Jew, also Judah took Gaza. What is what? what? What am I saying? Gaza. Gaza. Have you heard of Gaza? Okay. So Judah took Gaza. What are you going to do? You want to This is our land. Hallelujah. So also Judah took Gaza with its territory, Ashikalon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. So the Lord was with Judah, and they drove out the mountaineers, but they could not. That's a very revealing statement. But they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. Instead of inquiring of God, Lord, we have now made chariots of iron. What should we do? The Bible says he decided to give up. Hallelujah. He decided to give up. Verse 21. The moment Judah, who was chosen to go to be the first to go and conquer and fight and take over all the land, the moment Judah could not take out all the land, See what Benjamin did in verse 21. But the children of Benjamin did not. They didn't even try or did not drive out the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. So the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. No wonder Jerusalem is under a lot of contention. They tried to take it over in 1967, the Sixth Day War. They haven't taken over. So Jerusalem is so divided. East Jerusalem is in the hands of another one. West Jerusalem is in the hands of another one. It's so a lot of contention. Verse 27. Verse 27. Oh, verse 20, 22. And the house of Joseph went up, also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. So the house of Joseph sent spy, men to spy out Bethel. The name of the city was formerly Luz. And when the spies saw a man coming out of the city, they said to him, Please show us the entrance to the city and we will show you mercy. So he showed them the entrance to the city and they struck the city with the edge of the sword. But they let the man and his family go. And the man went to the land of the Hittites, built a city and called its name Luz, which is, which is its name today. Verse 27. However, Manasseh, did not drive out the inhabitants of Beshin and all its villages. You carry on. For the Canaanites were determined to dwell in the land. 
Hallelujah. Verse 28. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites under tribute but did not completely drive them out. There will always be a point, no matter how weak you may be in the Lord today, there will always be a point in your life when you actually say, I actually feel I am strong in the Lord right now. That is the time you need to get rid of some things that you were failing to get rid when your walk with God was weak. It's not time to begin to collect tributes. Hallelujah. Let's carry on. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. Verse 30. Very. Nor did Zebron drive out the inhabitants of Gitron. Verse 31. Nor did Asher drive out. Verse 33. Nor did Raphitari drive out. Hallelujah. And then by the time you come to verse 34, and the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not allow them to come down to the valley. And the Amorites were determined to dwell in Mount Horace, in Aijaron, and Shabim. Yet when the strength of Joseph became greater, they were put under tribute. Now the boundary of the Amorites was from ascent of Akrabim, from Sarah and upward. Now you come in chapter 2, you get a mess. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 13. Verse 13. The ch then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the bowels and forsook the Lord of the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashitarots. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of the plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around. So that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Whenever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them. For the calamity as, as the Lord had said. And the Lord had sworn to them. And they were greatly distressed. They turn quickly. Uh, this this uh, 17, the other parts. They turn quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. In obeying the commands of commandments of the Lord, they did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of the enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead, that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their own stubborn way. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he said, that's verse 20, that's 20, because this nation has transgressed my covenant which I commanded their fathers and have not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out from before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died. So that through them, I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. Hallelujah. And from there onwards, God will raise a judge. They would have peace for a certain period of time. And then the moment the judge dies, then they'll transgress. you find all that. By the time, by the time, let's go to the last scripture in there. Let's go to the very last scripture in Judges. 
very last one. If you find it, read it. You haven't found it. Judges 21. In those days, there were no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The moment people begin to do what is right in their own eyes, it is called what? Chaos. So I want to tell you something else. Not that you should, tell, you should hate Israel. When you go to the book of Romans, actually Paul said, all Israel shall be saved. God will do something else and all Israel will be saved. When you go into the book of Romans, which you will see next week. But do you know that Christmas Day is a day of working in Israel? People go to work on Christmas Day. There's nothing like Christmas Eve. There's nothing like Christmas, uh, Christmas Day. Nothing. There's no Christmas in Israel. You, you, go, you go to Israel today, you find more Jews who don't believe in Christ. And actually, if you try to preach Christ to, to the Jews in Israel, the Orthodox Jews will kill you. Because they don't believe he's the son of God. They don't. This year is a sabbatical year in Israel. It's a year when the land rests. Nobody works in the land. Only very few farmers are observing that. The majority says, which God? If, 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 if he was our God, why didn't he deliver us? So to this day, one time Hamas rises up and then there's a period of peace for some time. After they pummel them. Then later on, they rise up again. Somehow, God is still trying somehow. Turn back to me, my people. It's the same thing with you and me. Sometimes we go through some hard times. God, from now I have changed. Lord, I'm sold out. I'm sold out to you, Lord. And right now I'm sold out. The moment you begin to enjoy peace. Ah, Hallelujah. <laughs> The children of Israel did not follow God's instructions. This is what I want to say as I begin to wrap up. Every generation, every generation needs to affirm God's laws for themselves. This is why I say you must know God for yourself. Hallelujah. You decide your future. You cannot be doing things that are right in your own eyes. Obey the commandments of the Lord. Amen? By the time Samuel rises up as a prophet and as a judge, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, and the word of God was rare in those days. The word of God was rare in those days. So I want to say this, and I will say it in Chichewa. There are some battles. There are some things that we bring them upon ourselves just because we have chosen to disobey God. While you can surely rise to greatness, what I want you to do is watch out. Because your inability to control your own appetites can lead you to a sudden demise like Samson. All that we read about Samson, all we read about Ahab, all we read about 
David sleeping with Bathsheba and whatever and everything else is happening. It's because their fathers before them had walked away from God. But in every generation, God was busy raising up people, raising up people. And now, in the process of time, he would bring in people. I will show you this next week. He would bring in nations that would come and conquer the whole of Israel and take them into captivity. You find that in Jeremiah. So when we are reading Jeremiah 29, verse what? What does it say? Plans to what? To give you what? Hope and the future plans not to do you what? Evil. Or to do you harm. He's speaking to them when they are in captivity. The captivity was because these guys had walked away from God. But even in there, God would still speak. The Ezekiel, Amos, Habakkuk. All those ones. Where God was raising him up. Raising him up. Please come back to God. God is doing that to Israel to this day. Chaos reigns whenever mankind decide to do what is right in their own eyes. The history of Israel is the history of God's people in every generation. Uh, it's amazing that what you find with the children of Israel. Every time the Midianites come and pummel them and hit them hard, they would come to God and say, God, we are sorry. God, we are sorry. And God would come in. Now, I, I had a very interesting thought. I said, were they sorry because they were sorry? Or were they sorry because they were not smart and they ended up being caught? Which is what we do. Have you ever heard a husband would say to a wife or a wife would say to a husband, it's not what you think. Honey, what is this? It's not what you think. I'm sorry, but it's not what you think. Are you sorry because you are sorry? Or are you sorry because you were not too smart this time and you've been caught? Because we say the same. Today, the majority don't believe in God. Actually, you find a lot of atheists in Israel. It's amazing in Israel. Do you know what gay, gay, uh, gay parade is? You know what a gay parade is? What is the gay parade? Or pride parade? What, what is the pride parade? Celebration. For the what? LGBTQ community. Lesbians, gay, and all those. Transgender. Do you know they do that in Israel? Today. And, and what were the people do? What were the Amorites doing? Exactly the same. Since everything that happened to the children of Israel is an example and a lesson to our Christian race, that also requires us to drive out the inhabitants in our lives. So this is what I'm going to say and I'm going to say it within the next 12 minutes so that I finish within the time I have. God saves you and me and brings us into a promised land. How many of you can tell me after you came to Christ, your life is worse than when you were living in sin? Hands up. 
After you came, you regret you got born again. You regret you came to Christ. How many of us? How many of us in this service today, you tell me, Abusa, Palizina Zake, Zamoy Wanga, Zmene Chirungamujake, Kalilanga Kutimulinve, Mukozondisia, Mandidana, brother, brother, or sister, sister. So Nango Kuzan Konibangono. But if I tell you everything about my past, you're, maybe you're going to say, Eh, Komagumamba Kurimungama Polumuzatu. How many of you, your life before was worse than the life in Christ now? Okay, so my question is, why do you disobey God? Huh? Why, why do you disobey God? Because sometimes we can be saying, hey, these children of Israel, these children of Israel. No, you know, we are exactly like them. Our life, whether you agree or not, our life in Christ now is much better than our life before Christ. And yet, and yet, there remain pockets of resistance in our lives. There are pockets of resistance. There are some things which we call besetting sins. There is weakness of character. There are bad habits that give away to the world, to the flesh, and to the devil. How many, how many in this room can tell me why in Isamanukirabuini? Tell me. Could wine doesn't smell nice? Tell me. So you agree that it smells nice? How many of us take wine? There's some things that you should just say, you know what? The word of God says this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to reason the word of God. I'm not going to debate the word of God. I'm not going to question the word of God. I'll just take God at his word. Because in this year, which is the sabbatical year in Israel, there are actually some farmers who are observing the sabbatical year. They have left their fields. And when you watch, they say like, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And the reason why they have to leave it like that, the grapes, whatever, is that those who are poor, they should come and harvest, they should get whatever they can get and whatever, whatever for the whole year. And their testimony, boundless testimonies that are there, people say, when they farm again next year, those that have been practicing this every seventh year, when they farm again, that year when they farm again, they harvest three times. What they harvest the year before the sabbatical year. God gives them for this year which they have not farmed. For that year and a bonus. You obey God. I'm not saying you will not face battles. You will face battles. But I can assure you. One day, one day, one day. God is going to honor you. He will honor you. God expects us to fight these enemies and strive to grow in grace. Let us not just be a people that, that I stand here and I begin to tell you, grace will locate you and you say amen. And you are living in sin. Amen? Many believers believe that the battle is difficult, like the children of Judah did. And they give up. 
They choose the easy way of compromise. As they, I always say, compromise kills. Discipline builds. They decide the pockets of resistance are small and not worth the trouble. And yet those are the areas that you, you struggle with. You struggle with in your walk. Those are the areas that keep you away from a victorious life in Christ. To be honest, the things that keep you, it's not, a, it's not an issue that do you believe in God. You believe in God. That's why you're in church. Even when a guest comes here, there's no guest who's going to come here and say, okay, do people in this church believe in God? You believe in God. But you see that most of the times the things that we struggle with are things that we have made a choice. This area God can touch. This area God will not touch. I, I did an example the other day. Pastor Sunga failed. Auntie Naomi failed. Sister Yami failed. Brother Emma said, Abusa Zomai Sana in Esinmafo. I said, how many of you, if your wife or your husband says, I'll be back. Five years. Ten years. Fifteen years. Twenty years. And I said, how many of you will still wait? Everybody else failed. And says, I, Abus, Zitiz, Zagizu. And I said, but you are telling me you are waiting for Christ. Remember? I said, but you are telling me you are waiting for Christ. And yet, this person is saying, I know I can't wait. And exactly, we quit on God. We quit on God. So my question is, have you made peace with besetting sins in your life? Are there areas in your life which you know this is an area which troubles me. This is an area that affects me in my walk with God. Have you made peace with that area? Have you made peace with gossip? Have you made peace with envy, anger? Have you said, Have you, have you made peace with some things? This year God says, take over. Take over. Have you given up the battle? Do you believe there are other people that God favors, but you he has chosen not to favor? Have you told yourself that? Hallelujah. Have you given your flesh to win by default? So that when it's time to fight, you don't even show up. My question is, repent of your sin, come back to God, and return to the battlefront. Because your life matters before God. Give yourself afresh to God this year. He is still there. He will give you the victory. In Colossians, 2 Colossians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and everything has become new. The same words you find in Romans 6 verse 6 in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 to 9. So when you become born again, you need to drive out the old man, the person you used to be. Destroy the old memories of the old man. The habits of the old man have to die. The lifestyle of the old man has to die. And, and, and you were laughing when I said some people keep a picture of a girlfriend. They keep a picture of a boyfriend. They say, what kind of nonsense is that? 
He says, destroy the gods. Destroy the gods you serve. Destroy the altars. In your, destroy them. Dispossess every inhabit, previous inhabitants of your, of your heart. Dispossess them. Let the Holy Spirit dwell in you and lead you. One of the reasons why God says, don't give your daughters to them for wives, which you actually find in the scriptures we read. They started giving their daughters to the Amorites, their daughters to the Hevites, their daughters to the Jebusites. They are a lot. Very few Israelites you meet today, when you ask them, which tribe do you come from? They don't know. Because there were a lot of intermarriages. Now, this is what happens. There's a very famous scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, if I'm not wrong. Do not be equally, unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't get married to an unbeliever. Don't go out with an unbeliever. Now, I should say it. Even when those that say are believers, they are worse. Because these days it's very hard to find a true brother and to find a true sister in the Lord. It's really hard. But if you remain true before God, God will be true in your life. It may take a long time, but it will be true in your life. The reason why he says that it's this. No matter what, whether, whether you agree with me or don't agree with me, the moment you begin to go out with somebody who does not fear God, your commitment to God, you, your commitment to God, is going to grow cold. Because the things a person will do, they will make you begin to have your commitment before God to die. Your prayer life will go down. Your commitment to God will go down. Your appearance in church will go down. Anybody who is not married to a believer, I can assure you, the way they would be committed to God if they were married to a believer, their commitment to God would be far, far much higher than today. Because if even those of us who are married to believers, we struggle with our wives and our husbands, what about somebody who openly tells you your own answer? Do you, do you know there are men who say that to their wives? You are ugly. You are Now, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You have then been told Hey, you must be strong. Oh. <laughs> to say I'm fearful and wonderfully made, I'm beautiful. You have just been told Onyansa, you are Onyansa. And you are told every day, Onyansa. Every day, he's telling you, every day. Every day. And then you say, Lord, I'm not Hule. I'm not. My Pemperan will just be quashing off whatever you've been told. Sindine Hule, I'm Hule. Sindine Hule. Sindine Hule. Sindine Onyansa. Sindine Onyansa. You know what I'm saying is true. You know what I'm saying is true. Hallelujah. So all my young daughters in this church, please stay in the Lord. You will face things that will question your work with God. 
you want to give your question. If those of us who are, who are married to believers, sometimes we discuss and say, hey, I'm going to you. Kulimafizabusikulimafizikdoktorinaudakulimafizmunatijepetsekotaifdekanakongosakumbazanakudiyaimawamurungumawamurungumaati,mawamurungumaati,ndikumaiwanataifikupita iyo,yundekumaziremb
Now, I'm going to film on that yellow on sale, Zoom one beating. Come on, Unfortunately, you're not married. And if you are married, you try now, you, you go and begin to start practicing it on your wife or your husband, and you realize this is not about her. I'm doing it with that one I saw in the movie. And you realize. Hallelujah. So here are your matching orders as we go out today. Matching order number one. The order you has to go. The person you used to be before you met Jesus, that one has to go. For the young brothers, young sisters in church, and those sisters in church who are not yet married, or they are married, they are trusting, they were married, something happened, they are trusting God, don't date anyone who is not a Christian. Don't. Amanda Ungueru Tapiwa. I can make promise. Don't date anybody who is not a Christian. Much as good Christian men and good Christian women are hard to come by these days, don't date them. It's tough to maintain the same commitment to God and with God when somebody worships a different God from the God you worship. Matching order number two. Do not dwell on the old memories. You would desire to go back to Egypt for onion, garlic, and meat. Let your life dwell on Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. If anything is trustworthy, meditate on these things. Amen? Let your life dwell on Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. That's where your life should. Number three. Nothing should take the role of God in your life. Ask yourself, what can I live without? Check, check in your life. What can I live without? Can I live without watching movies? Can I live without TV? Can I live without being in a certain WhatsApp group? Can I? You, you, know, you, know, you know where you are. You know the things that affect your work with God, all right? So ask yourself, what is it that I can live without? Let this not take the role of God in my life. Number four, put God at the center of your life. Put God at the center of your life. Everything in life revolves around God. Your marriage revolves around God. Your job revolves around God. Your family revolves around God. Your business revolves around God. Your money, which is not your money, revolves around God. Your possessions revolve around God. It should not be difficult for you to give to people. Hallelujah. It should not be difficult for you to give to the work of God. It shouldn't be a challenge. Amen? Study the word of God daily. Pray daily. Even if you pray for five minutes, you are prayed daily. Even if you have read two verses, you know what? You have read the Bible. Because you know, one of the things 
I did in my early days in my walk with God. I do to this day. I don't read the Bible to gain knowledge. But I say, Lord, what can I do today in line with this scripture? It's, it's a step by step. But if you don't begin to take the steps, you will never take the steps. Even with giving, even with tithing, even with anything else, it's a step by step. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Amen. Study the word of God to find out what to do. And when you find what to do, just go ahead and do it. I was going to read the book of Nehemiah. But I'll, I'll go back to this next week. What happened when they came back from captivity one time? We'll go that there. Because this year I want us to take over. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm preparing the ground. They're taking over. The real issues now of taking over will begin in February. But I'm preparing the ground. Because any soil, you know even here you can grow maize. Outside there. Do you know you can grow maize there? But do you know what we need to do? We need to dig. We need to bring some compost manure. We need to bring some manure and everything else. We need to prepare the soil. We may have to prepare that soil for some maybe three years, four years, and everything else. And then the next time we plant, the kind of harvest we will gather here will be shocking. But we need to prepare. So right now, I'm preparing you. Don't say, ah, pastor, tell us now the things we have to take over in. Uh -uh, I'm preparing first. I want to prepare the ground. Amen? Then in February now, I'll begin to tell you areas you need to take over. And what you need to do to take over in that area. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Number five. Don't be a people pleaser. Why? Because your life matters to God. One principle you should walk with in life is somebody is going to get upset with you every day of your life. Hallelujah. Every single day of your life, somebody will be upset with you. So you cannot be a people pleaser. Even God, even God cannot please everybody. You know, sometimes when it's raining, it says, hey, it's raining now. It's raining. Ah, ah, matope. Ah, it's raining. And somebody is saying, oh, Lord, thank you for the rains. You have two believers. The other one supports Malawi. The other one supports Senegal. All the Malawians are praying, Malawi should win God. Malawi should win. All the Senegalese are saying, Lord, Lord, let Senegal win. Whose prayer is God going to answer? Huh? Whose prayer? He, he has to answer a prayer for one person. The other one will say, Ambuye Mwandita Ilanja, Ambuye Mwandita Ilanja. Senegwe, Kanapita Mwandita, Malawi wina. Senegwe. Senegwe, hey. I really want Malawi to win. Is it, when, when is it? Tuesday? Yeah, we, we have not been there for a long time. Let's win at least. You saw, you, you, did you see the two pictures? One for President Nagagwa and the other one for President Chagwera. President Chagwera's pictures like this. Nagagwa. Both of them are presidents so, with bodyguards. 
they speak, things happen. And I believe both of them were praying, let Zimbabwe win, let Malawi win. God in this time the other one. The other one was very disappointed. So in the same way, you can be brothers, sisters. I pray with, together with Pastor Sunga. We join together. We fast together. And, uh, and God answers Pastor Sunga first. That should tell me the Lord will also answer my prayer one day. But you know, the mistake we do, I begin to get jealousy of Pastor Sunga. The Lord will honor you. So don't be a people pleaser. What people think of you is none of your business. If, if, if you would only hear what people think of you, there are people who believe you are very ugly. There are people who actually believe you are worse, you are evil. Nothing good can come out of their mouth about you. Don't be a people pleaser. So number one, the odd you has to go. Number two, do not dwell on the odd memories. Number three, nothing should take the role of God in your life. Number four, put God at the center of your life. And number five, don't be a people pleaser. Make a decision to please the Lord this year. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name. We bless your holy name. We worship you. We magnify you. We adore you. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of honor. Help us, O oh Lord, to take a step to make progress in some area of our life this year. Let us honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our prayer is that God has spoken to your heart. Be blessed in this week.